Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern in the Sire Studios digital network. That's secretsofthesire.com, youtube.com slash Studios, facebook.com slash secrets of the sire and twitch.tv slash secrets of the sire uh following this live stream we have our podcast up on all the major podcasting apps including apple podcasts spotify spreaker stitcher iHeartRadio. you name it we are out there tonight is the penultimate episode it's our 199th episode uh leading up to our amazing 200 episode spectacular next week uh we are going to be Dishing on Mandalorian's Chapter 4. We are going to be spinning the comic book racks with Aftershock Comics' Mike Martz. And we are going to be dissecting that big Watchmen reveal. I am your host, Michael Dolce. As always, join my, my cohort in crime, Mr. Hassan Godwin, Lord of the Livestream. How you doing, sir? Happy Wednesday. I feel... <laughs> the weather's crazy. The weather's crazy. The weather's crazy. I feel <laughs> that I have managed to get all that stuff in... Uh, much tighter today. So it only took a hundred episodes. I feel that I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm watching Watchmen on Sunday. Uh, Actually, I'm watching it Monday because by by Sunday at 9 p.m. with two kids, like uh, like my brain is like, I don't have... uh, I ended up watching like Ancient Aliens on DVR because I I need something like brainless just to watch. Uh, So Monday morning, I I watch Watchmen. And I'm watching this. as As I'm watching this, I'm like, Hassan is blowing a gasket right now. Mm-hmm. Like he is watching this, watching this show. Uh, we will get into our spoilerific um, uh, review reaction uh, to episode seven, uh, but without going into detail about what it was as it's happening. I'm like, Oh man, he is going, he is probably like his window is shattered right now. He threw something out the window, not his TV. Cause he's smart <laughs> enough not to do that, but some sort of inanimate object got thrown out. Maybe a carbon rod. I don't know. Right out of his window. And right now, come Wednesday, he is taping up said window. Is that accurate? I did spend a miraculous amount of my time today uh, patching up various pieces <laughs> of damage to my apartment. Um, I found this interview, uh, and, and uh, we'll get into this a little bit here uh, in our patented opening credits. See, I, I changed Sirebytes to opening credits. What do you think about that? I think it's all fantastic since you never tell me about these things until you're mentioning them and then you expect me to true. have a reaction to them. This is true. Uh, <laughs> it's an interview that Lindelof, Damon Lindelof, did uh, with The Hollywood Reporter. Lindelof. And uh, he said, considering episode seven's ending, it would appear we have some explaining to do, he told Hollywood Reporter. Uh, about the ending of an almost religious awe. I'm answering these questions before it airs, but if I were watching the show, I'd be starting to panic that we can't possibly bring this all together in just two more episodes. So uh, don't panic. Uh, He talks about... That's very presumptuous of him. (laughs) Are you panicking? I am not panicking because you don't. You I didn't never think he was going to pull it off anyway. Yeah, I never put any money down on it in the first place. Yeah. So I am yeah. not panicking. Yeah. 
Um, I will, you know, I will definitely be happy to go in depth about it with you when the time comes. But uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not. I'm also uh, not surprised that people are like, uh oh. You know, as we get to, as we, we look at the roster of how many shows are left yeah. versus how many questions have been answered, you know, um, my my point without without getting too deeply into it at this point in the show, my point has always been it's not really the questions that's been answered. It's that how much substance did yeah. we get um, after the questions have all been answered? Mm. If, you know, if the entire purpose of the show is to is, is to is to posit questions and then slowly answer them. Mm -hmm. But we're only, the, the entire show is only questions and, and nothing else. And once you get the answer to these questions, you, the, the rewatchability of the show is pretty, it's, it's almost non-existent, you know? Well, we and will... So that's my, that's, that was my initial fear mm -hmm. when we get into it. Uh, I'll, I'll elaborate a little more. All right, awesome. Well, we will, we will cover Watchmen episode seven uh, and almost religious awe next segment. But first, Black Widow trailer launched the wee hours of Monday night into Tuesday morning. Uh, the Natasha Romanoff slash Scarlett Johansson vehicle uh, descended onto the Twitterverse. And uh, we do a trailer, truth or trash. Uh, before we get into that, a couple goodies to go over. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on it as well, too. But uh, we have a general Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross uh, returning to Marvel Universe, de-aged, as, as that, is the, that is the cool part to do. Uh, yes. We see Natasha's sisters. Which is funny because, I mean, if he was supposed to have aged that, that uh, drastically, mm -hmm. what happened to Natasha? <laughs> I mean, I guess she was supposed to be so young that right. the age doesn't show on her even even 10, 20 years later. But it's funny because there's a lot of Twitter memes going on, you know, how, how that whole like how you were at the beginning of the decade and how you were at the end of the decade. <laughs> they're they're doing that with uh And she looks exactly the same. Right. Like she <laughs> Right. Um the uh, time in Budapest, you know, we actually get the shot of the Liberty Statue in Budapest in this trailer. So obviously mm -hmm. going to do this. But uh, the big takeaway I got uh, was that this does not take place before Avengers, uh, you know, before she was anything, uh, before she was even Black Widow. This supposedly takes place right after the events of Captain America Civil War, uh, which saw Earth's mightiest heroes disband. Uh, and uh, Natasha enters, you know, on her own since warning Tony Stark yeah. she watches back. So um, she's going to get closure with all her uh, backstories and stuff like that before she goes into uh, Endgame, which is where yeah. she dies. Right. Um, nefarious. And she'll, be, she'll probably at the end of the movie she'll she'll dye her hair blonde. Right. That'll be the big. Right. There you go. That'll that'll, that'll be the that'll be the bridge <laughs> be, that we've been. That's the that's the big reveal we're all waiting for. That's that's going to um, be the the, the post credit scene. Taskmaster, we get to see Taskmaster. So that's uh, not necessarily looking like Taskmaster, but Master, nope. but... But okay. I mean, Taskmaster kind of looked like a generic baddie anyway. So if whatever yeah. they added to him, that, that's probably for the best. Yeah. And finally, we get to see David Harbour basically playing David Harbour with a Hungarian accent. Yes. I, you know, it's funny. I, I thought he kind of branched out a little bit in Hellboy. But basically, it's just... it's, it's Now, uh, he's going to make it a, a career of the dad bod. 
You know, yes. the guy who has the dad bod. Yes. He's and, the Chris uh, Farley of action movies. The angry, the angry dad figure. Yeah. He's going to, you know, the, the ornery dad figure. Yeah. So that's, that's the lineup. Um, the trailer truth or trash I want to post you. Well, first of all, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, yay, nay, we like it. I, 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 I yayed it. Um, I think it's a good trailer. I think it's, you know, it's, I'm interested to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks good. The music was great. Um, yeah. And, you know, the intrigue for Natasha... I'm I'm sad that they killed her character off. Mm-hmm. I know we had to lose someone because we had to, it's got to be cost, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping, you know, this movie doing really well. Well, it's supposedly that, that, a trilogy. Oh, supposedly, so even though she's dead. Well, so this is my trailer truth to trash. Oh, okay. Based on the fact that we have this movie, and based on the fact that we know she's going to die have we seen the last of Natasha in the MCU? And is this movie actually going to be setting up the future return of Black Widow in the MCU? Truth or trash? This is the question you're asking to yourself? Well, to... <laughs> or do you want me to, 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 ask, to answer that question? To or to, to hypothesize? Yes. I think anything is possible. I'm not going to... I don't want to... I don't want to... Um, I don't want to cheat you of a reaction by just going, meh. You know, I, I, but, but, you know, honestly, I do feel that like pretty much anything is possible. So they could do that. Um, I think if it's, if, you know, this movie makes serious money, they're going to really which have it to will. think about putting it. I mean, which it, it will. It's going to be the May. I mean, that's, that's the May. Yeah, we um, hope so. We hope it's, I mean, it could be lukewarm. It could be like, um, it could be like Ant-Man where it's successful, but it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not Iron Man or, or Captain America. But, um. Or, or an Avengers installment. Right. But it doesn't matter. Um, hopefully we'll do well enough where it will be lucrative enough where they're going to have to keep, where they're going to have to consider or, uh, you know, or theorize how they're going to incorporate her in, in future things. Although I do think if they erase her death, that kind of cheats us of the impact of uh, Endgame. So You're not alone in saying this. So I actually, I posted it on Facebook uh, after the trailer went up on uh Tuesday for me, I didn't, you know, forget Monday night. It's asleep. Uh, <laughs> and I said, truth, you know, truth or trash, Black Widow is part of the future of the MCU. And we had a lot of people. Um, so David Markowski is the one that said, considering Scarlett Johansson slipped and said this movie is setting up a trilogy. So that's where that's where the rumor for that. Nice job, Scarlett. Um, <laughs> the uh, Melissa Melissa Wong Becker actually kind of said, I, I want Nat back. Her sacrifice was predictable and poor storytelling. Uh, Commodore Shinra actually posted, pretty sure this movie is introducing a new younger actress to be a new Black Widow moving forward. So a lot of of theories out there. Um, But uh, here's the the thing that's very interesting, though, is the fact that, um, I forget who posted it. It could be, I think it might have been Hasbert Middle. (laughs) Uh, This movie will probably uh, look at the past of the Red Room while setting Natasha up for Infinity War and putting her sister in the trailer into the position of Black Widow going forward. Uh, Mm -hmm. Someone else had actually commented, though, uh, I don't think it's, I think it's, well, anyway, talking about, you know, there's a lot of scrolls now. We understand that there are scrolls now. There are scrolls that have infiltrated uh, as good guys, quote unquote. I'll, I'll still put that in, in, in quotes. So far. Is the Natasha that we saw sacrifice herself. Oh, the Natasha on. that we all know. Yeah. It, you know what? Throw enough money at it. It could be anything. 
And and then and that's and I, I'm sorry to be cynical, but I mean when we get into speculation <laughs> fever like that, it's yeah. it's just too much. But it, this is kind of cool, though. Actually, in a way, I actually like this speculation. There's nothing. There's nothing harmful about this speculation. There's nothing. There's only no, I mean, no, a character I mean, we did not see dying or we did not think was going to die in this particular way, sacrificing herself because the Black Widow is, you know, Scarlett Johansson, A, you know, A-list Hollywood actress, and B, um, the character itself is such a, a long-running Marvel character that to see her sacrifice herself, it almost begs the question that she's going to be back, just the question is how. What would be the point of that? I mean, I mean, I mean. Quite honestly, what would be the point point of revealing that she's a scroll? But I mean, like narratively, like just stop, stop thinking, stop, stop thinking like a mogul, you know, and like a moneymaker, and think narratively like a storyteller. What would be the point of going? Oh, surprise! She's still alive. You know, it was just a scroll. Why would a scroll sacrifice themselves? That would mean that, that maybe the scroll was Natasha from years and years back, maybe all the way back to Iron Man 2, you know? I mean, right, it's so narratively, just, maybe the Natasha we know. That, they've already done that with Gamora. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's I mean, the thing someone also suggested going back in time, just like Gamora and bringing them back. I mean, it's... I, look, they could have just like the same way they did with Gamora. I mean, if you did it with Gamora, you could have done that with, uh, with uh, you know, Natalie, but I know I mean, everyone is talking about Endgame as it's the greatest thing they've ever seen. It was such an amazing this and that, but I think it all goes back to that muddling up the plot lines with time travel in general that I think is, is what's really going. I know, I know we joke that my big complaint about Endgame was the female scene. No, that was not my big complaint. My big complaint was, was also the time it was, travel. It was very loud and often made well, complaint. That's allowed, I'm allowed know. to be loud. But well, I didn't say you weren't. I'm just saying it was. My big complaint was the decision to do time travel in the manner in which they did it, uh, to essentially start rewriting and start and start creating rules that they end up breaking. Anytime so, you're going to incorporate time travel, it screws the whole yeah. thing up, and, yeah. and especially if you're not going to incorporate any laws in your time travel. No, they other did, than okay, they we're them. making they made laws and then they broke them. Like, no, they didn't really break their laws. They just kind of said that their law doesn't really matter as long as we put everything back. And so the one law is like you can't go into your own past because you, you, your past becomes your future and yada, yada, whatever kind of head, head fake that that was supposed to be. Right. Which is fine. That's a, and that's then a, Captain America went back into his past. Huh? And yeah, but I mean his, his, his past, past was his future. That's not – he wasn't saying that you can't, you, you can't go back to the past to change the past. Yeah. He said that he said that you cannot go back to the past to change the future. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't really change the future. He went but Captain America went back to the past and he changed his future right. by ending up in the past again. Right. Okay. So that's not that's fine. They 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 stuck within the within their rule for that. But I'm just saying in in general the 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 rule that they made because you're always supposed to make a rule when you're when you're coming up with some kind of science that's going to explain you know there's some whatever ex machina miraculous science is going to fix sure. everything. Their rule was so flimsy, yeah, that it that yeah. it, it it was a rule for the sake of a rule. Yeah, it wasn't really because I mean as long as their their attitude was like, as long as we put everything back, everything will be fine. <laughs> so I mean that's not really a rule. That's there's no danger to it, you know. Yeah. So. I like both of those movies. 
I like them because they were audacious and they, and, uh, and, and they exist, you know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they uh, made a promise that those things were going to happen. Those things did happen. There was a, a jumbo payoff for all this, all the, uh, all the buildup that we've had for the last like, you know, half decade or whatever yeah. in building up to it. But I mean, yes, I think infinity wars a way better movie. Unbelievably and, better. And, um, and I think, I think for all their their bravado, I don't I don't mean this negatively against the uh, the writers or the producers or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think with all their bravado about like breaking new ground or whatever, I think they punted when they came to okay, how do we wrap this up? Yeah, you know, because yeah. it's no easy thing to do. It's not a simple thing. Yeah, it's not easy. It all so, comes back to Endgame. It all comes back to Endgame. All right, when we come back, oh yeah, oh yeah, Watchmen. Episode 7. Watch me, watch, watch, watch. Hassan gets to blow a gasket. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm not going to blow a gasket. Hi, folks. This is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast and co-creator of Descendant. It's hard to believe, but it has been 10 years since we unleashed Descendant onto the comics world back in 2009 through Image Comics. Uh, covers by Tyler Kirkham and art by Mariano Navarro. Marcus Perry and I co-creating the book. Uh, Descendant tells the tale of a counter-terrorist agent, Rain Santiago, who's secretly the descendant of an Incan goddess. She's got these crazy powers she can't control and a past she's been running from her entire life until someone from that past emerges and outs her to her team. Uh, With the book being currently adapted into a screenplay and the issues practically sold out across the country, it felt like it was the perfect time to collect the series into an 80-page trade paperback. And now you can get in on the action. Uh, we've got some great rewards, including bookmarks, buttons, pins, sketches, signed comics, uh, and also one that includes our entire lineup of Sire Studios books, which it means the Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more. And best of all, the proceeds from this Kickstarter, after the cost of printing, shipping, and for the products themselves, will go directly to artist Mariano Navarro, who stepped up big time and made this thing possible back then. Uh, Marcus and I were in awe every week when we would see new pages come in the inbox and uh, it was truly an honor and a privilege to work with him and we hope to work with him again soon so jump on board this 10-day kickstarter it's going to run all the way through cyber monday and into december um it's only 10 days so get in quick and help make this happen go to sirestudiosinc.com slash kickstarter for more info and to back this incredible project goes live november 26th Thank you. Really appreciate it, and I really hope to make this happen. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Byer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, Steve Ovecki, our program director, Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. Uh, if you are not a patron, go to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire, become a patron, because you will get exclusive access to our December 28th live stream straight from... The Funny Business Store, Funny Business in Nyack, New York. We are going to be doing our 
Star Wars live event uh, will only be seen via our Patreon account. If you are a patron, $1 or less uh, gets you part of the conversation. We will try to interact with you as much as humanly possible as well if you can't make it there live. Uh, one other reminder, you just saw the commercial, Descendant Kickstarter. One day left. We are already through two stretch goals. It's crazy, um, which is awesome. So the trading card, the button pin, all kinds of awesome stuff happening with Descendant. I can still keep a straight face with Hassan doing all that in the other box, <laughs> which, is pretty, which is pretty awesome. But uh, big thank you to all the Descendant Kickstarter folks. There was a Cyber Monday special on Cyber Studios. Uh, type in Cyber Monday and get 35% off. Man, I am on fire tonight. Tight with all the, uh, the housekeeping. All right. Uh, you were right up until that moment. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. Let's get this. We'll, we'll get this. We'll get the show refocused right now. Watchmen, watch, 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 watch. Watchmen, watch, watch. Watchmen, Groot. Watchmen, watch, watchmen, watch, watchmen, watch. Baby Groot does not approve of your Watchmen shenanigans. So, I, I, first of all, got to commend uh, both Disney and HBO for giving us content to talk about for the for the past i don't know how many weeks we've done it now seven this is episode seven so the best seven weeks we've we have faithfully done this we've never done this before we faithfully reviewed and reacted to every single episode uh there's only two more episodes after this uh mandalorian is only eight episodes i think this year uh yes. so so we're actually we're actually we're riding the wave uh right in there watchman or mandalorian which which one are you more in favor of right at this moment like which one is the one that's that you have to see that you have to watch like with more anticipation don't say neither well then i won't say anything <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i i do suppose it would be mandalorian you're enjoying mandalorian more i i am actually i don't know if i'm enjoying it's so weird it's so the only thing I could tell you is that um, I'm watching them objectively. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, Oh, this is so great. You yeah. know, I am liking what I see as I objectively watch them. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not overwhelmed with, you know, I'm not compelled to to be you know to be drawn to the to the television set every Friday or Sunday to see either one of them. Mand Mandalorian is like a. It, I, I don't want to like say it's like cotton candy or something like that because it's not. It's it's a little more satisfying than chocolate or candy, but it's it's like a good cup of hot chocolate. I think that's the best way I can describe it. You know, where whereas it's just it's 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 a pleasurable experience. It's not something necessarily that. See, I I, I see it in the line, same lines as I I I really unfortunately or fortunately, depending mm -hmm. on what your perspective is. I have to admit, one of my favorite at this moment, uh, Star Wars movies is Solo, mm -hmm. because it's a light romp. It's not doing any serious damage to anything uh, that that came before it. Yeah. Um, it is a it is a nostalgia checklist. It just mm -hmm. does turn into a nostalgia checklist, which I think is the biggest flaw with the film. Yeah, but it's just it's just based on this you know this this original trilogy, um, uh, you know uh, motif. You know yeah. this this just the stylized the decor, and that is just a fantastic 
world to live in. Right. You know, that's the world that we grew up with. That's the future that we kind of grew up with, even though it was in the galaxy far, far away a mm-hmm. long, long time ago. But so Mandalorian is just kind of the same and on the yes. same vein as a solo yes. where it's just like, okay, this is just, this Isn't is just, funny. It's like a feel good show. I, I don't know. I don't know about, I'm not going to like, if, like if that's how you feel about it, that's, that's great. Like I'm just saying point, it's when I'm watching Mandalorian, do I feel like there's this real sense of danger? It just seems like he's always just gonna, he's gonna, he seems like the type that just does the right thing and, you know, pulls yeah, it out I mean, at the end and it's only four episodes in, but I want to see what they do with it. You know, I, I just, yeah. I definitely, I'm, I'm more interested to see what they do with it than I am interested to see how the, the, the sequels ends. Yeah. You know? Um, again, the, the basis of it is that it's a, it's a very simple through line. Like mm-hmm. we've been talking about before. It's one man on a mission, right? You know, either, either it's go get this guy, go kill this guy or take care of this baby, you know, right. but it's, you know, very simple, very simple situation. This recent episode was just a seven samurai, um, mm-hmm. you know, re reimagined, mm-hmm. but, and they, you know, almost every iteration of a science fiction, um, anthology show, which kind of, uh, is what the Mandalorian is. It's kind of anthology in the sense that he gets into the, it's not a, it's, it, it, uh, there's one narrative in that he's in it and that he's got this baby from episode two or episode one, I think that he's been taking care of ever since. But basically it's an anthology in in the fact that he gets into, you know, different adventures every week and, you know, sets up different things and meets different characters. Right. It's not as dangerous. I feel like Watchmen, just to kind of shift it back to, to Watchmen for a second, well, not for a second, because we're going we're gonna to really delve into it. I feel like while it might not, and again, I'm not going to use the word perfect, Mandalorian is not perfect. Mandalorian is very simple in what it's trying to do, and it executes what it's trying to do. So in that sense, it, it, does, what it, it does what it's trying to do. Watchmen is trying to do a lot of stuff, and some stuff it hits and some stuff it misses. Uh, this particular episode, Finally, the big reveal. So this is spoiler, 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 spoiler. Uh, reintroduces Dr. Manhattan into our uh, world as he has been Angela's, uh, Abar, Angela Abar's husband in disguise. Um, I said in the opening, I felt like you blew a gasket. As soon as it was a human being in disguise, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, all right, what piece of furniture went out Hassan's window when he saw that? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll I will make a, a comparison very in keeping with the what we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. Two different kinds of uh, storytelling that we're seeing here, and I would call rightly or wrongly, or it, or you know, an unpopular opinion, as they say these days. Um, I would call Watchmen insecure storytelling. Um, it's so insecure that they it's like it's like a Michael Bay movie. It's so insecure that they front load it with all this potential intrigue, but there's no genuine substance to any of it. It's all, you know, like if you would, if they had told this, this story straight out yeah, with none of the mysteries, mm-hmm. just told you, okay, uh, her grandfather was a uh, hooded justice and mm-hmm. you know, this, this was this and uh, you know, uh, Dr. Manhattan is her husband or whatever. And then they could have they, they could have found a clever way to reveal all those things as you go along, but not done it in, in such a mystery box sort of way. 
there would be no substance to this show. There would be nothing to the show. There would be nothing intriguing to the show. Whereas if you watch The Mandalorian, the, the only question about The Mandalorian is who the heck is this Yoda kid? Like where, where did he come from? And maybe they'll answer that question and maybe they won't. But if you notice, they're not, they're not injecting any intrigue into The Mandalorian whatsoever. It's just basically a story. It's a straightforward story told virtually from the beginning you get a job. You're a man, you're you're a you're a, a, a bounty hunter. You're a Mandalorian bounty hunter. You get a job. You get paid. You know, go forth and do what you're supposed to do. And you know, as as his story progresses, things escalate. Circumstances change. Obviously, he's not with the guild anymore, and he's on the outside. But I mean, it's still it's still not an issue. It's not. It hasn't managed to alienate. The audience. In fact, the audience is just as intrigued, right? So right. you don't have to gimmick guys your storytelling in order to make people watch. And my issue with the watch, which Watchmen, is that I know for a fact this is going to end with no substance. Yeah, and I, there's no proof. There's I actually, no proof. I actually have to agree with you in the one sense. I was extremely. There was there was a couple of eye roll moments that I had. That overall, the the reveal that he was Cal uh, wasn't a should like I wasn't like his oh was his name was Cal so it should you should have that should have known right there yeah. it wasn't but it was kind of neat I wasn't I wasn't opposed to it I did laugh in my head I just chuckled because of our conversations and and what we've had on the show about it um, you know him being a human disguise I thought it was you know I think that's interesting. Uh, in and of itself, but there was a couple eye roll moments. I actually rolled my eyes at uh, the senator's big plan. I really thought what they were going to do, and and th- what makes Watchmen so great, the original Watchmen, is there there are no bad guys. There are just people trying to do bad things to accomplish good things, right? And, and that's kind of like, you know, for your own good, we need to do this. And, you know, for the, and that's what Angela even says. Angela Abar says that, you know, for, for people's own good, we need to do these things. And that's what I, you, you have just this, like, the senator ends up being like, oh, it's just really tough to be a white guy now. We got to balance the scales. And I'm like, are you? You're really, yeah, you know, you're, like, a, to be honest with you, if anybody was destroying furniture, I thought it was you because of all that stuff. It was like it was, <laughs> I was it like, was oh so, boy, Dolce's, Dolce's having a picnic now. What I thought, <laughs> that what I thought they were going with, where I thought they were going with, was that the Seventh Cavalry <laughs> was was. They, I, told I know you they weren't. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just so cardboard cutout, and it's and it's killing me because it's like. I thought what they were trying to do was was really follow Rorschach's journal. Um, obviously, you know, where does the white power thing come in? I mean, it could be a corrupted version, and that's great. Um, but that they were trying to pull the mask out from people and say, we're not under siege by aliens. We're not, you know, I almost thought that's what they were trying to do. And then, you know, again, it, it would go back to the original graphic novel is, is would the quote-unquote heroes – be fighting to save this lie that brought everyone together and and to me that is that is so much more of a deeper plot line than i'm a white guy and it sucks now uh black guys are getting too much power and we want to go take dr manhattan's and lindelof in this interview i found even says um 
there's something fundamentally ridiculous about the idea of white power in its redundancy, as if everyone in America was born onto the same playing field. Sadly, almost every one of our institutions demonstrates that inequity. So the idea of a white male senator actually wanting more power was equal parts absurd and irresistible. It's not irresistible. It's 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 cliche and it's oh wait uh, it, it, wait issues with the story now I know issues, Michael? well I, I am I do have issues to where the bad guy are just a cardboard cutout and I I'll give it to you I'll give it to you you predicted that it, it wouldn't lead to something good and and only uh, the, case, and the only the only thing that teaches me that is a Lindelof's writing but b the fact that it's it's so top heavy with I know. What oh, who is this and why is this happening? And these things were stretched out from episode mm-hmm. to episode. It shouldn't have taken that much time for you to discover that this person was her grandfather. You yeah. know? It took like two episodes for you to get to that. And when you found that out, you're still you're sitting there like, okay, the needle hasn't moved. You know, I have a little I have a little more information than I had before, but the needle hasn't moved on anything. We don't. We still don't know anything, you know. Yeah. And so, Don Johnson is killed, and that kind of front loads the entire the mystery of Don Johnson. How was he killed? Who who killed him? What you know? What happened? What was he in on? What and was look, his, what, you know, it patterns and, itself after the graphic novel by doing that. But it but the graphic novel leads to something really deep. <laughs> this well, this, that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm saying of, like the, the you know like and people get it's the same thing with Westworld. People get intrigued by nonlinear storytelling. Yeah, and and it's very easy to get caught up in it. But yeah. as you you know as <sighs> I will call myself, nobody else knows about this. I, as a veteran storyteller you know if someone who's been working on telling stories like working on understanding mm-hmm. stories and this is the only time i'll really just absolutely say you i i could literally tell i wasn't given I, I every episode i'm not being given any information like this is it's just it's literally the exact same thing yeah as the last jedi it's like you're you, throughout the last jedi you're waiting for this entire okay luke is different Luke is not, he's not a hero anymore. He doesn't want to fight anymore. He's got to explain this to us. He's got to let us know why. Why doesn't he want to, that's the only thing that you're you're required if you're going to change a character. Just explain it, right? When he finally did fess up in in a two-sentence sequence, you know, Mm -hmm. a a two-sentence paragraph, Every piece of information he gave you was information he he must have been given by Obi-Wan and Yoda before he even fought Darth Vader the first time. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, how did that disillusion you? And it's not information. It's no information. The intrigue is there. What is it? What is it? And then when he finally fessed up, they went to the archive and pulled out the, you know, oh, let's pull out this old note. Yeah, he's, he's mad because Palpatine, Palpatine manipulated the Jedi. Yeah, but you knew that you killed yeah. Palpatine, you know. So, right. and so it's the same thing with um, with uh, Watchmen. It's like, all right, it's intriguing that Doctor Manhattan is not around; that he's left. It's mm-hmm. intriguing that there's the residual of the the Earth, the residual of Doctor Manhattan's presence on the Earth, has changed it. It's intriguing about. It's kind of intriguing about the Adrian Veidt thing 
and yeah. where he maybe that story that's gone on that's, that's gone on a little is, too long it's gone it's, on this this past episode too with the pigs i thought was yeah, it's ridiculous it it's like okay so he's got nothing to do with the story he's got nothing to do with any of it and it's like it, he would i wrote Jeremy a play Irons. i wrote a play in college it was a short play and it was literally i just had the craziest ideas and i just tried to throw them all into one because i wanted to make something that yeah. felt uh i felt more intelligent <laughs> than i actually am <laughs> and uh, and and i remember i remember i submitted two different plays to my teacher in my creative writing play, class and everyone and we did a reading on the one straightforward where i actually had a solid story and people actually were like oh this is really good and really interesting the other one my 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 teacher was like this is a sketch you have to fix this. This is just a sketch. This is not a real play. This is, doesn't have real characters. It doesn't have real anything. And he said that about both of the, the plays I submitted, but the first one was very easy to go deeper to become something because it, it, it was something to begin with. Right. And the second one I did, I just really, I was like, ah, I'm going to have this whole, I'm going to do this yeah, whole metaphor on commercialism. Yeah, it was this whole, like, I mean, I literally, it was like this artsy, like, political statement about commercialism and that's what i feel most, like watchman most stories don't go together that way it doesn't, right you, you can't front load it that's you really what can't. watchman has become now has it has really become an over the top political statement and imagine this story with jeremy irons interacting with angela abar and and uh, lady true and mm -hmm. uh, lou gossett jr imagine imagine what we could get with all this star power yeah, and the intrigue we can get with all of them together, and keep Don Johnson in the loop, you know, mm -hmm. like you know, I mean, imagine it, and you can't. You, it's just, it's just, um, it, it. I mean, it's just he's he's there as another focal point of intrigue. Yeah, that is that's substantively not involved with what's going on, unless Lady True, unless her clock is supposed to retrieve him. And he doesn't know about it, which they could tie that all together. Yeah. When she's, when she's about to activate the clock. But now she, she's revealed that her biggest concern is that they're going to try to kill Dr. Manhattan and she's got to stop that from happening. So I don't know how that. Yeah. I don't know how that would involve Adrian Veidt. It might. They, they could do I that, hope it does. I hope it. I hope. Look, there's two episodes left, and I do hope mm -hmm. that they do resolve this in some sort of way. But my big disappointment is not the reveal that Dr. Manhattan. Uh, has been has been masquerading as a human being uh cal itself i mean he even says it in the interview that i read you know they made sure to cast someone and tell him that he's a little off and cal really was cal was this you know you know like this house cat almost uh very very lethargic-esque character the entire time so it's kind of cool i like the reveal the reveal is kind of cool the rest of the reveal to me uh now it just feels like a political statement uh, masquerading as a as a story and uh and i hope every uh, story is a political statement though. no there are political statements in stories this does not this every does... story is a political statement every story is a statement about something else that is about the deeper the, the deeper insight or desire of the writer whether no matter what it is whether going from atlas shrugged all the way to, to uh to starship troopers there's no such thing as a non-political story <sighs> there really isn't there really isn't but I get it. I, I, I think... But do you, get, do you get what I'm saying? Like, there's no... You're, I'm yeah, actually echoing mean, what you're saying. There's no substance to what this statement is or what well, this reveal. It's That's substantive to an extent. It's substantive to an extent. It's just... 
it's just being handled yes very clunkily yes yes okay so i agree with you i agree we're not you know for the sake of the show i disagree with you but uh in reality yes i agree with you it's not what he's saying it's it's how it's being told and 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 it just it just feels because it's on the nose because that's the new sexy thing feels like a sketch it's just on you know it's like be on the nose about it because because the story was very simplistic right Mm -hmm. the story started off with tulsa the story's always the story's been political since episode one. No, right, and and episode one, I, I felt like was uh, was eye opening, and you I gave, felt like it you was gave episode one a pass because you thought there was going to be depth to it, but correct. they didn't add depth. They correct. added intrigue. They yeah. they threw they they substituted depth for intrigue. Yes, and so that's I it. That's, don't, and I, I told and, you, I told you where the story went wrong. I told you where the story was was useless. The moment. We revealed that Lou Gossett Dune had a strobe, the strobe light, and made, <laughs> I was willing and made to give Don that a Johnson pass. hang himself. And I'm like, okay, so I was I was willing to give that a pass. Because the biggest intrigue is I hung your sheriff, and you can't, you couldn't have hung him. You're an right. old man in a wheelchair who doesn't have his brain, right. so there's no way you could have done it. Right. So know. there's more to it. There's more to the story than that. No, I used his flashlight and I made him hang himself. Yes. Okay. So the story's over. Thank you. Thank you for playing. <sighs> and I told you that. I told you. Now, look, the next two episodes this might, might blow my mind. I hope. And I'll come back and I'll say, holy crap. I'm I was rooting. so wrong about this whole show. And this is the most brilliant show I've ever seen. And yes. you know what? I will, I will promise everybody who's listening, if that happens, I will be honest about What's it. What's going to happen? I will come back and say, this is amazing. Based but on the it's scenes. it's not going to be. We're gonna we're gonna understand how Doctor Manhattan and Angela came up with the idea of Cal, and it's gonna lead to that final episode. Which who cares? Who cares why Doctor Manhattan decided to be a guy and and date a woman? Who cares? What's funny? Where's the intrigue? I know. Now you didn't you didn't give us Doctor Manhattan. For right. the whole show. So we don't even know what's at stake if they yeah. take his powers. I know. We don't know anything because yeah. you did you you because you've decided to tell us what was a story. Up with that damn remote control click you've too. decided to tell us a sequel to a story that most people watching have not read. <laughs> and you didn't deci- you decided not to give us any backup, back information, backstory about the actual watchman. Right, so we don't even know who Doctor Manhattan is at this point, right. other than he's this guy who went off to to Mars. He was a super powerful superhero, went yep. off to Mars and disappeared. And people send him, people try to Skype him, you know, to to ask him for favors and stuff like that. We don't know anything about him. Now you and I know everything about Doctor Manhattan. I know, but as a story, like who the hell is you know? I know. No, and I, what I, information is you given? I still, and so the next episode is going to be him and him having a romance with Angela, and why they decide to hide him along yeah. with. I mean, who cares why he's dating her? Yeah, I, I still who, don't know who, what the deal with that remote control uh, trapdoor. Also, who which cares I thought what was, Sister Knight is, which was silly. yeah, with that stupid sequence with the it yeah. couldn't funny, but it. It, it kind of like but yeah, because you you're sitting there wondering why why uh, Agent Blake isn't doing it, something like like why didn't she just pull, get up? She right. was like, well, what is this? You know, she was a superhero at one. That was point. like Austin Powers esque right there, right? Like, wasn't that Austin Powers when he's like that's, he's stuck that's at the what thing? I'm saying so. that's what I'm saying. 
I smell it like I, I I smell it like animals, man. Like if there's no substance I'm to this, still I can tell you. Hoping maybe something maybe. course corrects, and I'm still more intrigued by Watchmen, The Mandalorian. Speaking of which, uh, we will go and give you our reaction to Chapter Four. Plus, I found a really great article uh, that kind of illustrates the depth to Mandalorian or what could be perceived as we continue when we return i'm everything my 19 year old self fought hard to not be yes you are the it's like 19 year old self is like you've don't become sell out. what you hate you've become the enemy 19 year old self don't sell out <laughs> yeah 39 year old self is like sell out every night out <laughs> sell it out baby first sell sign of trouble first sign of trouble sell out Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Uh, Want to jump over to The Mandalorian. We'll get right into it, Chapter 4. Um, we kind of touched upon it in the opening. We touched upon it even last segment when we talked about Watchmen. I, I threw out the question of Watchmen versus Mandalorian, like which one has you coming back to your seat more. Uh, love to hear from you on our Facebook feed, uh, our YouTube comments. Uh, go ahead and please uh, chime in because I'm very curious to know which one are you guys not which one you're enjoying more just which one has you more riveted um, chapter 4 Mandalorian Hassan you kind of touched upon it this is uh, what was it, the 7th Savarai redone mm, essentially yeah pretty much um, one new character that was introduced and I got this from Hollywood Reporter I thought it was actually kind of interesting though Cara Dune uh, mm. provides some clarity on galactic politics after Return of the Jedi and why the First Order was able to rise um, this is according to the article, uh, their interpretation, which was great. Uh, after the fall of the Empire, rebel soldiers like Dune were tasked as bodyguards and security forces um, for, their, for the politicians who made up the New Republic. Uh, so essentially, the list of characters who uh, are without a home or who had found their homes in jeopardy continues to grow. Uh, basically, uh, you know, this was not her job when she signed up with the Rebellion. Dune left to seek out adventure and conflict as a mercenary along the fringes of the galaxy. Return of the Jedi leaves off on a note of victory and a sense of balance, but it's become increasingly clear the through the Mandalorian that this wasn't the case. If Imperial officers were displaced, then so were rebel soldiers now left without a war to fight. The, that vacuum would allow someone, uh, something like the First Order, to kind of rise above. Uh, so I thought that was actually interesting. I actually thought she is... And they mentioned this in this article too, but this is a separate thought I had. She was the most interesting character, I think, to even come into the Mandalorian. Mandalorian is kind of a cool hand Luke, very, you know, just very slick. He kind of has these little, but he's very simplistic. Uh, Cara Dune's yeah. character to me was, is the deepest character we've seen. And it's been four episodes now. Um, Again, the show is is look. I love. I mean, who doesn't love Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda is so adorable and cute, and uh, and 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 looks like one of our favorite characters, except as a baby, and everything as a baby is cuter. Hmm. This is saccharine sweet, though, to me. You know what I mean? Like I was trying, I was trying to figure out the analogy last last episode, last uh, you know, 
I really enjoy it. It's a pleasant experience. It's it's cool to see. It's 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 not it's not that difficult. But it's also something that honestly, Watchmen. I need to be in a frame of mind to watch because of how deep it is. Mandalorian. I could literally put on. I was scrolling through Twitter through some of it because it's on in the background. And I'm not missing anything in the background. Uh, again, enjoy it. Not saying it's bad. Just it's not it's not too deep. Cara Dune at least offers me some hope of a potential family of a potential like group because otherwise to, to right now we haven't had anything that that resembles the trailer we've seen for mandalorian correct the trailer kind of no, made it not seem, really yeah the trailer really, kind of so. made it seem like a ragtag group of somebody's doing something yeah, which is probably the way the season is going to end right you know which i'm okay with again i, I don't have any knocks for mandalorian i don't but, you know, four chapters in, I'm kind of like, okay. Well, you got to be careful, and I don't disagree with you. Well, I don't agree with you as to whether it's enjoyable or not. I do, I do agree with you that it is a little saccharine. It's, 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 um, it's oversimplified, mm-hmm. right? The only thing is that, you know, I appreciate that. I find that refreshing because nobody really does good complex storytelling anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you started to get into this, you know, and Star Wars is not a complex story. Right. It really isn't. It's a a very simplistic story told in a very grandiose manner. And Mandalorian is attempting to just to carve out another uh, another narrative pathway right you know that's usually dominated by the skywalkers and the solos and whatever Mm -hmm. so i don't want it to become too complicated too quickly only because they do complication very badly right um like i said rogue one very simple we got the death star plans we got to get the Death Star plans to the Rebels, you know? I, was not, it, I mean, actually, the story I just... That, that breakdown is actually more complicated than the story actually was. Um, yeah. The, so it's Solo. So it was just a heist. Right. And they were fun. You could watch those movies over and over and over again, you know? I, <clears throat> Last Jedi or The Force Awakens, complexity comes with everybody trying to put their spin on what they think complexity is. Yeah. And the story in and of itself having no um, cohesion, having, having not been fleshed out or planned out, there's no, uh, they didn't put any boundaries on how complex or how, how simplistic the story could get. So in a, in a, in, in something as nebulous as the force, mm-hmm. which pretty much existed in one man's mind and right. he basically gave us pieces of it. Throughout mm-hmm. all the chapters of his story, it, it's it's apparently so unquantifiable that nobody can nobody else can get really get it right. You know, yeah. and that's how how simplistic is the force? I mean, how right. simple is the force? So I don't. I'm I'm okay with it being what it is, be taking its time to become whatever it's going to become mm-hmm. at this point. I do think I do hope that it will become more intricate. But what I mean by intricacy is I'm talking about where we're going to get to know more about the Mandalorian. Right. While not too much about him. And we're going to get more, you know, we'll get more ensemble characters that will help flesh him out. Because gimmick-wise, 
it's a very clever gimmick that he never takes off his helmet. Right. But that's going to get old very fast. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to be very limiting, but then you're going to run into a situation where it's going to be, you know, Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd. The minute he takes his helmet off, the character's gone mm. because the Met, because the Mandalorian is that helmet. right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. So it's good. You know, I'm, I'm okay with them taking their time to get to wherever they're trying to get to. And I have faith that they're going to try to get somewhere where are they going to achieve it or, or if they do achieve it, am I going to like it? These things we can't know, but I do think that they're going to try to do something um, because I think they've got a tiger by the tail at this point. You know, I I mean, if, if Rise of Skywalker comes out and it does well and it is a good movie and it does well, along with the success of Mandalorian, along with the clone wars coming in February, um, and you know the the success of uh, Disney Plus, which has been mm-hmm, you know right. kind of a barnstorm. Uh, I think I they think, added uh, a replay Star- button. They added a replay button, by the way. Really? So you could go right back into whatever you've watched, and yeah, right even back. if even if it's not over when it first when they first introduced it, I was uh, streaming Toy Story for my my son, uh-huh. and, it, and it would like get to the credits. And there's no restart button. Like there was no like watch again <laughs> button. Sorry. Like, yeah. like, come on, Disney. Like, uh, like really? Like you? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you've seen this already. You cannot see it. Right. Disney, Disney decrees you may not see the this first again. week, and then all of a sudden now we they they heard my prayers and there's a replay button. But anyway, yes. But I mean, I think I think once they if they stick the landing on these things, uh, Disney's Disney's uh, repaired Star Wars. You yes. Know? It's going to be, I mean, there's going to be, there's still going to be naysayers are going to be out Something there trying to, that I like about trying to narrate the whole story. But I mean, basically, if they stick these landings, they're going to, they, they will have saved it. And it, they will have proved that Solo was just an anomaly. You know, it's something that I like about her too is just how physical an actress she is. Uh, yeah, well, that's, she, a, that's a, uh, Gina oh, Car- Gia Carina. Yeah, yeah. From, uh, she's the MMA fighter. Yeah. No, uh, but you know what though? She has a physical presence there. Where yes, she's a, she's a very good. She's a she's she's like the Rock. She's yeah. lucky enough to have a charismatic acting ability. Yeah, but, but, but she's not. I mean, she's acted before. They've 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 based oh, yeah, entire yeah, yeah. movies off of her. Oh yeah, no no no. But I'm just saying, as a character, I want to you know I want to see that. Um, there's the, you were talking about the naysayers and this and that. You know, a lot of criticism that gets thrown Ray's way is that you know she's instantaneously a Jedi without having earned any of it. Uh, just by uh, Gina Karina's, uh, ver- like just her presence alone, she is like the rock. I think that's a great comparison too. Uh, you just, you, you, immediately I'm like, I would never want to mess with her in a dark alleyway ever. You know, there's no, there's no having to earn it in the sense of, of just seeing her and being like, no, I like, yeah, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Even- but you then know? she has a she has a, a charisma. Oh, absolutely. Where even if you're afraid of her, just like The Rock, even if, yes. or Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger was good that. like that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, so yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see more of her, but it's, you know, we're, it's dangerous because it's a Mandalorian show, you know. But I I do think as I predicted, as I predicted with Watchmen, Carano, by the I, way, Cur- Gina Carano, yeah, sorry. Carano. I don't know if I, you know, we we still don't know if I'm right about Watchmen. We we suspect we have a we we suspect. I, I'm maybe, actually now on your side now. I'm, I, we, I've, we suspect, I'm like, uh, but so my prediction with um with the Mandalorians, they're going to need to add something more very soon, just because of the 
the the the restrictions that they put on the Mandalorian yeah. character in and of itself, and the fact that his face is going. I mean, once once you see Pedro Pascal, yeah, it kind of it will kind of kill the um the majesty of the Mandalorian in and of itself. You know, he Pedro Pascal will just become another face like Cassian Andor, or you know, uh, you know. Or Finn yeah. or Poe, one of these other characters, mm-hmm. but he's mythical now, you know, in the, in this in 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 its own way. So I mean, they're going to have to do a little something to offset that, so they can still keep building on it, even though he's going to be, you know, he's probably going to. Yeah. I hope he never takes the helmet off, but they're going to have to do something about that, you know, because he, you're not going to be able to do like five or get- six years of him. Never, you know, never taking that helmet off. I'm going to get the Hassan hype train uh, going here. I uh, might know someone who might know Pedro Pascal. I'm going to do my damnedest. It's never going to happen. I'm trying to get him on the show. <laughs> so he can reveal his face to everyone. We know what Pedro Pascal looks like. I know, but he's gonna, I'm going to have him do it on here on this show. So He got, he got killed by the mountain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he didn't get killed. He, I'm sorry. He got killed. K I L D. Or Oberon. That's, that's not killed. That's killed. <laughs> when you get your yeah, when you get your head pop like he done, a he done be killed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we go spinning the racks with AfterShock Comics. Mike Martz. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week. We go spinning the comic book racks, bringing you the inside information on all the stuff that we are reading that will one day translate to film and TV that you guys will be checking out tonight. We have a very special guest, Mr. Mike Martz from Aftershock Comics. He will go spinning the racks. Spin the racks. Spin the racks. Really excited to be joined by Mr. Mike Martz from Aftershock Comics. Hello. Mike, how you doing, sir? Doing very well, guys. How are you? Very good. I love the uh, you know off-air, behind-the-scenes stuff because the three of us have actually known each other for a really long time. Uh, with yeah, our, uh, our uh, wizard, close to twenty years. Yeah, our Wizard Magazine for, connection and uh, and and Valiant all the way back Valiant. to or or claim depending on yeah. Uh, which which setup you want to talk yeah. about? <laughs> I know exactly. I think Hassan and I know each other. I think more than twenty oh, years at this point. Yeah, at that point. But let's not um, all, let's not use numbers. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I use not numbers. mention number. <laughs> Before yeah. we get into uh, all the awesome stuff that's happening at Aftershock Comics, uh, we've been talking in the, all episode long about uh, last episode of Watchmen. Are you consuming Watchmen? Are you watching that on HBO uh, as a longtime comics guy? Uh, what's, so, your, what's your take so far? I, I, I am watching plenty of shows at the moment. And mm-hmm. uh, my plan is to get HBO. Because <laughs> uh, I dropped it as soon as Game of Thrones was done. Mm, yeah, and, smart man. But now, you know, I've, I've got a few different things that I, I, I need to watch the third season and I need to watch Watchmen. Uh, so I'm just going to get it and then like try to watch everything in a month and then drop it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's a, it's a good move. Good move. All right. So we won't yeah. spoil anything 
the alien comes down to New York City. No, I'm just kidding. Right, but um, Mandalorian, <laughs> Mandalorian, I'm completely caught up on. There you go. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, right. we, we, we've been waxing poetic about Baby Yoda the last uh, oh, yeah. four weeks. Uh, <laughs> he's, slowly, he's slowly just winning us all over. Yeah. Uh, let's talk after Shock Comics. Uh, another cool thing, again, we were talking, you know, kind of backstage off air. Uh, the awesome uh, thing is you were like one of our very first guests. I think you were on episode two or three. I can't remember oh, which crazy. one it was. And that was four years ago. Oh, my gosh. So you guys were just starting up maybe three years ago. Yeah, it was early 2016. So, I mean, it's really you're, – you're talking like February 2016, January. Uh, so you guys were just starting up with Aftershock Comics or, or you know, very – it was in its infancy uh, maybe within the first year. Uh, how much has changed in four years? And what do you guys yeah. – what's the big stuff going on? Well – yeah, I mean, now we're entering into our fourth year of publishing, which is kind of crazy uh, when you think about it. Um, you know, a, a lot of it's um, been the same, but at the same time, uh, you know, the landscape changes month to month, week to week. Um, the challenges of being a kind of startup publisher in this mm -hmm. day and age, um, you know, they are a plenty of the challenges. Sure. Um, you know, the everything we do we try to do at the highest level of quality and get the best artists and writers and stories and we always feel like we're doing such a great job um but it's it's difficult to kind of um kind of preach to the uh the masses out there and to convert them it's it's got to be tough i mean it's got to be tough uh, just to, to get yourself our, you know your your particular gospel yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be difficult just to yeah. even get noticed because just like TV, I mean, even comics now has so many startup companies in the past, like five, ten years now. Exactly. Uh, you know, what do you guys do in your mind that differentiates you? Like the one thing you guys do best that differentiates you from the rest of the herd out there? We we focus on the quality. So everything we do, we try to put you know, the, the highest levels of quality into the product. And that could be everything from the type of writer that we choose to the type of paper that we print on. Um, but also just the, the story itself, everything revolves around the story. It has to be a story that we would want to hear, that we would mm -hmm. want to see, that uh, we want to see told and something that we can connect to on some level, something that we um, can personally um, subscribe to. Uh, you know those foundations set us apart from some other publishers we feel mm -hmm. um and you know just it, it's it's a real grassroots thing it's it's getting one reader at a time and kind of building the fan base and mm -hmm. and and believing in in what you're doing and knowing that you're doing the right thing and that you know eventually quality wins out and and uh and and good stories went out you have a good roster, though. I mean, in terms of quality, you speak of quality. You have a, you have a quality roster full of just name talent and up and coming. Uh, you know, who are the who are the names that people would recognize, and who are some that that have done some books with you guys, and and that you really want to bring attention to? Well, you know, there, there's a good roster of people that um, either I had worked with at Marvel and DC, or my partner Joe Pruitt had worked with at uh, Desperado and Caliber. Mm -hmm. you know, people like Ellis and Warren Ellis were certainly heavy hitters that we recruited and brought in to tell stories 
um, other people that I'd worked with a lot at Marvel and DC, like John Lehman and Frank mm-hmm. Thierry. Um, and then someone like Marguerite Bennett was kind of a combination of a person that I'd worked with a little bit at DC, but at the same time was really growing and becoming uh, a writer in her own right uh, at the same time that we started the company. So there's been the whole level of people like that mm-hmm. where we feel uh, they're brilliant writers and talented and, and just as good as some of the vets that are doing work for us, but maybe just aren't known by the general populace mm-hmm. yet. Um, so, you know, Marguerite Bennett is one, but we have other people like Ted Anderson who got his start on uh, My Little Pony comics, but we we knew he was a fantastic writer. And we us um and then people like zach thompson and lonnie nadler who um you know had done some great work on creator-owned books like the dregs Mm -hmm. we saw something in them recruited them to tell stories with us and you know then they became last year's you know x-men writers you know prior prior to uh hickman coming back so um yeah we feel like we've got a good batting average when it comes to recognizing talent and who might become um, the talent of tomorrow. What's, uh, we had kind of spoken at New York Comic Con, you said you had some good stuff coming out in December. So what's the big stuff that's happening uh, into 2020 that you want to talk about right now? Um, Well, we've got a few, uh, I guess, like Christmas type items uh, (laughs) that are coming up for people that have been fans of ours for the last four years. Um, A Rough Riders Omnibus, which is Mm -hmm. a collection of rough rider story we ever published which is over 20 something issues um we're also doing something similar um for pestilence which will come out in uh in the spring in february i think um but right now our our primary focus is on our 2020 launches and we have three that are coming out the gate in february um John Lehman, who I mentioned before, yeah. has a book with us called The Man Who Effed Up Time. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's classic John Lehman. It's, it's great high adventure storytelling with a lot of humor thrown in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a real story there. There are characters you can connect to. Um, but you know, there's also a lot of laughs uh, that come along with it. Um, the artist on that is a guy named Carl Mostert, who is from South Africa. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of readers may not be familiar with him, but he has a style that is um, very contemporary, very much like a Frank Whiteley type of style, and it really fits John Lehman's story perfectly. Um, that's our first big launch, and then we have another one called Undone by Blood, which is written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, who I also mm-hmm. mentioned before. Um, this is a uh, kind of a modern day Western and Zach and Lonnie tackle this story um, with a dual narrative, one coming from the point of view of a young girl who has experienced a horrible crime that has happened to her family. um, And she's looking to kind of get to the bottom of this mystery and figure out what happened. And at the same time, she's reading an old Western novel that her dad had passed down to her. Mm -hmm. And, um, this uh, this novel that she's reading acts as the the second narrative to the story, and kind of mirrors the events uh, of what she's going through in the present day. Very cool. Um, 
on that is Micavella, um, and it's just fantastic, beautiful stuff. Um, and then we have a third book coming out in February called God Killers, uh, which is from Mark Sable. Uh, Mark, I work with plenty at DC, and uh, we did some good stuff together. Um, he's joined by Manhouse, um, I think was one of the coolest names in comics. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. God Killers combines um, some CIA, CIA level black ops type military initiatives with um, a good dose of supernatural. Um, so we get kind of um, kind of godlike beings, deities um, that are hunted down by uh, this black ops group of special operatives. Very cool. Okay. How are people... That's nice. I like yeah. that. Well, <laughs> I was going to say uh, <laughs> the, the other, the only uh, better name would be Godwin, right? Godwin's uh, the, oh, that's boy. the best name in the comics. But <laughs> leave me out of this. <laughs> how, how are people? You know, you mentioned a lot of well, we worked with this person, and we worked with this person, and we worked with this person. Are people? Uh, is that how? people are kind of finding their way creators are finding their way to you guys, or is it, uh, is there open submissions? I mean, how do you guys work for, for people, uh, that are looking to break into comics? We get that all the time. How do I break in? How do I break in? It's been a combination. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, maybe 30% were people that Joe or I had worked with, uh, in the past and had good relationships with, um, you know, another 40% is that next level of talent, people that we kind of, had our eye on and scoped mm -hmm. out and kind of actively recruited. Um, and then a smaller percentage would be um, people, you know, with cold pitching us with ideas. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say at, at this point, we'd like to be able to take the risk on virtual unknowns. Not quite there yet. You know, yeah. being a small company, we still have to rely on a certain level of talent and experience um, sure. to be able to get out to the readers and, and the retailers. Um, but we do have this um, this level of people that uh, are professionals, um, and but just cold pitched us without you know us reaching out to them. Um, and you'd be surprised at, at just the the level of success um, with that group of people um, who have been been pitching us and like i said earlier it's all been about the story it's all been about the ideas yeah. and if there's if there's a great idea there and it's something that we think we can bring to life um you know with our marketing with our artist connections um then we've been taking risks on on those projects that's cool i i feel like I feel like there's just such a uh, willingness uh, for the general comic book fan to accept new ideas now. I, I feel like this is a different age where Marvel and DC, which is where, you know, yeah. you, you, you kind of, you know, uh, gained your, your uh, you know, paid your dues, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, people are almost, I don't want to say they're growing tired of, of the same stuff all the time, but I feel like at the same time they are looking for something that's new. I mean, do you guys get that sense when you're, when you're out at conventions and, and meeting the fans and just talking to retailers? Definitely. I, I think, you know, you can take the whole TV comparison, you know, whereas, you know, a good portion of the stuff that we watch, you know, might mm -hmm. be Watchmen or Mandalorian things that kind of came from, uh, you know, IP that we've known and loved for a mm -hmm. long time. But you know, then there's, there's other things which, you know, all three of us, we've sat down and turned on Netflix and there's a show that comes up and we're like, I have no idea what it is, but <laughs> it looks cool and the story yeah. seems cool and I'm going to try it out. And, um, and, you know, and we end up loving these shows and then 
word of mouth generates and, and these shows become, you know, bigger than what they originally were when they, they set out to be. And that's the same type of approach that we take with our comics. Um, you know, we're hoping that we're kind of building a reputation for high quality and great storytelling so that people will recognize the brand and see an Aftershock book yeah. and be like, hey, you know what? I don't know that writer, Ted Anderson, but it's an Aftershock comic, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be good. I'm going to pick it up and, and give it a try. You guys get amazing press, though, too. I always, I always notice that, too. Uh, it seems like you get a lot of attention um, from like the mainstream. Has that tra- how's that translated into uh, potential movie deals, TV deals? Uh, you know, how's, that, uh, how's that working for you guys? Well, you know, from the get-go, one of the, the most important things we did as a new company was to hire a great publicist. And mm-hmm. we have great publicity um, company. They, they understand the comic book business, but at the same time, they also understand media outlets um, mm-hmm. and the press and Hollywood and film and TV. So to have... To have a publicity firm that understands all those different areas, I think, was really crucial to our success because um, we were looking to not only um, convert comic book fans and comic book readers uh, to our world, but also potential partners in the area of, of media, film, and television. And I think we've been able to penetrate all those areas pretty well and, and do a good job of, of garnering interests in all the different areas. Um, and, and to answer the second half of your question, um, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well. Um, our, our primary goal is always to do well in publishing and to, Mm -hmm. to sell the comics first. Uh, but we've been very proud of the, uh, attention that we've received in film and television. And we've had a few things optioned in, you know, our first few years, um, from animosity to, uh, the normals to Lost City Explorers, um, and there's a few things that we have up our sleeve, which we'll be able to come out with in 2020 and share with everyone. Awesome. Um, and yeah, so you know, so far our conversion rate has has been, um, we've been very happy with it. You know, it's 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 not our initial goal, but for things like that to happen in the first few years of being a company, we're sure. pretty pretty proud of it. Yeah, and you should be. I mean, it's again the the landscape out there it's like the wild west these days in terms of you know some people get onto youtube and they think they're going to be like a superstar overnight some people go into mm-hmm. kickstarter and they think oh everyone's gonna you know love it but they don't they don't realize how much work goes into just marketing uh the book it's almost more it's almost equally as important as 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 telling a good story you could tell a good story if no one reads it or no one even knows it exists you know it's almost useless exactly yeah you've got to be able to get it out there into the hands of people all right, so you're a Marvel DC veteran, uh, Wizard Magazine veteran. Claim <laughs> comics. I didn't realize Acclaim. I was, that was, uh, yeah, actually, I, I spent more time at Acclaim than I did at Wizard. Uh, my, my tenure at Wizard was short-lived. It was only nine months. Um, but, uh, but Acclaim, I was there for two years. What's the, out of, out of all the uh, jobs that you've had prior to Aftershock, Give us the most memorable, I want to know the most memorable creator story that you have. I mean, you worked with so many top quality creators. I, I mean, I, I, the list of just, you know, running the X-Men books at Marvel and running the Batman books. I mean, what's, what's, what's the one moment where you kind of like your, your, your 12-year-old self was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done? I mean, you know, getting to know you 
coast. Um, working with Walt Simonson for the first time, uh, that happened early on for me. It happened, you know, you know, maybe a year after I started work at Marvel. So I was like 22 years old and getting to meet my hero, Walt Simonson, was a dream come true. Mm -hmm. um, he was writing something for us. It was Iron Man 2020. Uh, so I didn't get to work with him on the art end, but just, you know, working with him on, on the writing end was, was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then he's got, he's got like the nerve to be like a great guy. On top exactly. Of being. Exactly. <laughs> such, a fan, such a fantastic individual. There's, there's yeah. a, few, a few other heroes that I, I ended up meeting and, um, uh, you know, we'll just say they weren't as great as Walt uh, ended up being, um, yeah. But, but, you know, th that was, that was really a fantastic moment. And then, you know, there, there's another funny thing too, you know, the, the industry is so small and, um, you know, everyone knows one another and everything. And I remember there was one artist that, um, Fabian Isieza, who was my boss at, at Acclaim, uh, he recommended I work with on some promo stuff. And it, it was one of these weird hybrid things where Acclaim was doing, um, we were helping out the video game company mm -hmm. in telling um, a comic book based on one of the video games. Um, Hassan, I don't know if you remember Forsaken. Yes. Okay. I remember the. Um, <laughs> I remember those of uh, what was those? Those calendars. I remember that yeah. we had like stockpiles of those Forsaken right. calendars. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. We needed someone to do pinups and some character designs, and and Fabian had suggested one particular artist that I never worked with before, but I'd always admired their work, and so I started working with the person. And um, I guess deadlines for their regular gig at Marvel or DC ended up getting you know mm -hmm. more and more pressure, and you know I was just this little who needed some character designs and I kept checking in and they're like, yeah, I'll get it to you. And I kept checking in and I was, and they were like, yeah, I'll get it to you. And you know, then I kept checking in the deadline was getting closer. I was like, listen, you know, and, and the creator ended up getting really angry at me. And I was, I was just, you know, looking for my assignment, you know, huh. and let's just say it ended really badly. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so then flash forward like 10 years later and I start working at DC and I started working on the Batman books and then like my boss, Dan DeDio comes down the hallway and into my office and it's like, Hey, guess what? You know, that opening on, uh, you know, detective comics where you needed an artist. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I found the artist for you. Don't worry. And I was like, Oh, that's great. He's like, it's this person. <laughs> and it was the same, the same guy that I had this trouble with like 10 years earlier. And you know, I was new at DC. So, I had to put on a happy, brave face. And I was like, that's great. That's great. Thanks, boss. <laughs> um, but the, the, the end of the story is that this guy ended up becoming one of my best friends in the comic industry. And, oh. we, and we worked together for five or six years. And that story from way back when just became, you know, this, this funny moment, you know, from the past. That's, um, that's like the, uh, that's, the, that's an unexpected comic book twist right there. Well, that, right, the there story. you go. Well, that's like <laughs> in Fortune and Glory, like the Brian Michael Bendis book, uh, where he went in and the, and the executive, he talks about this executive that blows him all, like basically like puffs him up and he's like, you're great. We can't wait to work with you, blah, 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 blah. 
And then he's like, and he writes about it. He's like, and then I never heard from him again. And I never, and, he, and he's like, and this was terrible. And that executive turned out to be Damon Lindelof before he was Damon Lindelof. Are you serious? Damon Lindelof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go read Fortune and Glory. And, and there's this whole sequence about how Bendis is like talking about this is what Hollywood is. And this is awful. And I, I went in and this guy and Lindelof years later is like, yeah, I, I, I really meant everything I said to him. He was great. I loved work. You know, like I loved his work. I thought he was the next big thing. And I and I went into my uh, my boss's office and I was like, "We got Bendis," and and his boss goes, "Who's that?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "And it's right. and he, but years later, I read about that. So it it is funny how it, it all it all connect. You know, it all comes connects. Back. Yeah. It, it all connects. Uh, in fact, one of uh, our favorite people. Speaking of connections, is Ruth Ann. And uh, oh, she is great working with you guys now too. And, and Ruthann's actually a friend of mine from like the Wizard World Los Angeles days. I mean, this oh, is that's like, crazy. Yeah, yeah, she's been such a huge asset to our company, and yeah, uh, has really contributed a lot since joining us. You know, yeah, like so year ago. Uh, so you got to let me know when you get enough people together, uh, and we'll do the same on our end to get a softball team together, and then we can <laughs> we can. <laughs> <laughs> that we can do we could do our uh our softball games we used to do the wizard marvel uh softball games and uh i don't know if you see oh yeah did. yeah I don't know or the DC football games did. i don't know but uh mike <laughs> it has been a pleasure as always t- talking with you and chatting with you uh where can everyone find aftershock comics online so um you can go to your local comic book store uh almost all stores across the country carry aftershock comics uh digitally you can find everything on comiXology um and if there's a weird back issue that you can't find or some type of variant you're looking for aftershockcomics.com will have all of that as well and what about social media social media we're on all the major platforms facebook instagram and uh twitter so and you know most of our news comes out through instagram very very cool yeah uh that's been our show tonight, guys. Next week is our 200th episode spectacular. Mike was here for number three. We're up to 200. And we're going to actually have the aforementioned Fabian Nicieza. We're going to be at the Starlet Runner studio. Jeff Gomez, Fabian Nicieza, Steele Filipek, and uh, me and Hassan will, will, will just basically kind of sit there because I think that room alone will, uh, will tackle it. We're doing our best of end of year. We'll see everybody next week.